0: New Year, new me. Well, i tell you what, I've got new antibodies, Jason. Because I've been unwell, I'll have you know. And so... Well,
1: you're looking well on. Well, I'm looking
0: well on unwell, but I've had an enforced dry January. Well, I've had um, a moist January. Well, let me warn you (laughs) now that that after one sip of wine, I'm sure I shall be singing Ode to Joy and shouting... Um, so I um, could well yeah. be uncontrollable yeah. in the next 15 minutes. I'm David Chandler, and he is Jason Yeah. So
1: today, I'm gonna to talk to you about one of my favorite wine regions, which is the Northern Rhone. I want to give it your fancy
0: title. The Rhone Septentrion All right. Adventures in Wine.
1: have a spittoon there. To, yeah.
0: uh, oh, well, I'll, I'll be using that today, yeah, no doubt about it. Right.
1: The bit we're talking about, the Northern Rhone, or to give it its um, full title, the Rhone Septentrional, is between Vienne and Valence, which right. um, has... Can, po- you
0: s- can you spell that for me, please, Jason? I care. S E P T E N T
1: R I O N A L E. And it's as opposed to the Rhone Meridional, which is the southern Rhone.
0: It's got a seven in it for some reason, no? Uh,
1: yeah, no. I, I can't elaborate Go on my, that. All right. The northern Rhone is very specific. So only 10% of production of Rhone Valley wines yeah. comes from the north, right? Okay. Nin- 90% of it comes from the south. And all the right. north. Uh, has single what are called noble grape varieties but we're sharpening the focus even tighter than that today because we're just looking at the white wines of the northern Rhone. okay so only 10 percent of those are white so if we extrapolate that backwards only one percent of Rhone valley wine is northern rome white and that's why
0: it doesn't ring a bell with me
1: well, it's rare stuff. It's necessarily rare because the, the vine areas are finite. It's very, very site-specific. And um, the Appalachians are small. I'll give you some comparisons. So there's give or take 200 hectares of okay. right in the north. Mm-hmm. I'm going to taste a very fine example of that Ooh, now. There's 30,000 hectares of Cote d'Iron, generic Cote right. made, okay. which I think we worked out on a previous podcast is enough to fill 59 Olympics swimming pools. Um, uh, but then, those 200 hectares, I reckon, on the back of an envelope,
0: Condrio produces about a million bottles of wine a year. Um, right, okay. You're not going to see it in the supermarkets over here, then? Or are you? Yeah. Well, waitrose. So,
1: yeah, well you might. Um, I don't allow myself to go into Waitrose. Uh, um, I start buying things that weren't on my list. Like Gull's eggs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, uh, I'm always stuck behind some old biddy who's just stocking up on her lemons for a gin and tonic. Well, look. And that's about it. Without further ado, I think we should get to tasting it.
1: So the first wine I brought along for us to try is a saint It's a saint Ah, uh, okay. saint is the southernmost. Appellation of the Northern Rome. And um, Napoleon Bonaparte was a cadet in and He was meant to be a big fan of this sparkling saint Pore. And it's made by Jean-Louis Thiers. So there's 98 hectares in the whole Appellation. Jean-Louis has five hectares. But he got stitched up because some of the wine that he thought for decades was within the Appellation. Some of his wine turned out not to be.
0: They did a oh. kind
1: of survey. Uh-oh. So he's, he's been demoted on part of his vine holdings. But he's got about five hectares Sampere, half a hectare of corn as well. But he's unusual because he's first and foremost, he's just one of a handful, who, people who mainly make Sampere. Okay. Because it's a white, still and sparkling Appalachian. A lot of people from the other red crew of the Rhone, like to have a toehold in there so they can serve a bit of this, a bit of fizz. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. But anyway, this is a really good example. It's non-vintage, it's made from pure Marsan. There we go, gentle pop. What a lovely pop. Well, right. an uplifting sound, isn't it? So this is straight Marsan, grown on my new word for the day, lacustrine, which means they were lake. Lac- lacrustrine. Lacrustrine, lake formed. Okay. It's got a rich geology, actually. There's quite a lot of um, schist as well as clay and limestone. This is from the very south, of the southernmost Appalachian. So it's about as south as white northern roams get. Bottle fermented. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Jean-Louis is also an apricot grower. And I think...
0: You think there's a bit of... Maybe a bit of association. That stone but fruit I, I there?
1: think you get... I think you get a bit of pear and orchard fruit as well. Bit of apricot. Bit of white peach. Lovely dry finish. Mm. Almost slightly saline. These white mm. roans they do struggle with acidity. All the white grapes, Marsan, Roussanne, Viognier, are naturally low in acidity. So you need a bit of glycerin for that sort of saline effect, uh-huh. which is how you get, if you like, the impression of dryness. But that's beautifully balanced and elegant. Nice it's nice. Everybody out that on their own. That's developing with the second sip, I think. Uh, yeah, well, it'll open in the glass, as mm. any, any wine mm. does. But um, uh, I think that's shown beautifully. Really versatile. Great on its own. Lovely with canapé, you know, some bellinis. I know we're post-festive period now, but... Um, oh, I don't uh, know
0: about that. Any excuse uh, now?
1: But anyway, a good introduction. That's lovely, and, Jason. And that's
0: a bit of a footnote in northern white Rome terms, but I thought it would be a good place to kick off with. It's a very gentle uh, glass full of bubbles, uh, I think. You know what, I think it's underrated. I mean, in Napoleon today it is considered
1: superior to champagne. day. Necessarily rare, there's only 98 hectares in the in the Appalachian, and it just wasn't big enough to support an international market, um, so it kind of fell by the wayside. So. It's reviving a bit now, but it's, it's definitely an underrated and under marketed, I think, uh, Appalachian
0: Control A. But the only proper run and crew that makes decent sparkling wine. Perhaps they should have the little big man on the label. If that would help, will
1: yeah. well, that might. Whether he's the poster boy you want, we've touched on this before. Um, <laughs> next up, this is a bit of a Venus curio because it comes from Brazen. and Brizen is, is actually below Valence, at drome southeast of Valence, and it's a small enclave. In 1961, there was just one hectare under vine, and there is much debate about. Whether or not it's a proper crew, it's, it's bottled as a Cote de Rhone Septentrional. So okay, there, we go. there it is. Brazem Blanc. Cote de Rhone And it got that kind of semi official nod from the INO in 1974. And it's remained in a bit of a classification limbo ever since, but they're holding out for full AOC status. But that's not there yet. This is from the 2017 vintage. But there's a lot of interest in Brazem. It's been planted up so. This is made by Julian Montagon, who moved to the area in 2011 and took over an existing vineyard that we were working with, and he's now developed it. And he's got over 10 hectares of vines now, and he's bringing a couple more hectares online year on year. So historically, in the pre-Napoleonic era, it was quite a big and important vine area, and it's only now in the 21st century getting redeveloped. But this is an oddity for several reasons. And one is that it's a very... Very rare blend of three grapes. So this is made from 80% percent Marsanne, 15% percent Roussanne, and this is what makes it an
0: anomaly, 5% Viognier. Okay, it's lovely uh, pale honey colour in the yes, glass, isn't it? it? It's kind of deep straw robe. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's quite aromatic. Lovely sort of stewed pear and apple aromas and- um, Ooh, I do like that, Jason, uh, very much indeed. Of, and
1: a definite lift from that small percentage of Viognier. Mm. You get almost tropical fruit, a little bit of lychee, and then it's a lovely, savoury, dry,
0: long, elegant palate, isn't it? It's it's quite a nice holiday from my customary Viognier, but not too far. Just down the road, somehow. That's nice. Mm. drinking goofy now. You have to be quite questing to find
1: it. Just over 20 quid a bottle. so right. um, uh, I think pretty good value if you put it in the context of what you pay, and we'll get on to more of this
0: later, yeah.
1: for some of these other rare white robes. Yeah,
0: that's, that's rather good, I think. I think that would be 20 quid well spent. Well, if you're to push
1: the budget up another five, you get into the territory of... <laughs> my dear old friend, Alan Gryos. White Crow's Amitage. Mm-hmm. Same vintage, similar blend but no Viognier. 80% Marsan, 20% Roussin. Comes from the Chassis Plateau, which was the deeply unfashionable fruit growing area of the northern Rhone because back in the last century you didn't have that many people who were exclusively making wine. They practiced what was called polyculture. They would keep poultry, cattle, mm-hmm. grow mm-hmm. fruit to literally not have all their eggs in one basket. Right. I'm biased here, because Alain is a dear friend, but I love this wine. Bottled, very unusually, in this neck of the woods, under screw cap. Under screw cap, yeah. Which um, I claim some credit for. A hell of a lot of this gets sold straight to restaurants in France. And you can, you'll see why when you taste it. So about 25 a bottle, Mar-Saint-Roussin, again the 2017 vintage which was a short vintage in France, generally, shortest ever vintage since 1945, but actually a relatively generous one in Crow's where, where they got
0: a permit to pick at slightly higher yields than normal. You can do that when the weather gods are generous. All right, I didn't know it was that restrictive, so you can only pick so much. Exactly so. How do they spot you picking more than you should? How do they know you're doing You'd be surprised by that. Satellite.
1: You'd be surprised by the French feds. This is the country that invented the scenic exterior de richesse, whereby you get taxed on your lifestyle, if not your income. So um, they were nobody one way or the other, David. Mm-hmm. Um, death and taxes are the <laughs> unavoidable. But anyway, this is a favourite wine of mine. And... People are a bit sniffy about it because it's a very easy wine. It's very generous, very open. I know. And then you screw cap this, and everything else. And, it, and it's got such bright stone fruit. And it, it has got quite a low acidity. It's quite come hither, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love it. And it's got pretty good length and a lovely mm-hmm. mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what this wine does
0: for me is the texture. I'm still um, tasting my first sip, and I swallowed it a long time ago.
1: If I see this on a restaurant wine, it's catnip to
0: me. Yeah, because it's, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um,
0: uh, it's just designed for off the bat drinking. Yeah, but it's also it's a handsome looking bottle, isn't it? That label is nicely understated too.
1: Um, it's first generation winemaker, his first wine was in 1985, age 40. Mm. So from a standing start, he's done a bloody good job. I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Lord bang for your Bump. I'm spoiling you today, David. Anyway, because I mean, there were hints recently that that I've been um, under indulging you, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I thought it was time to let the pendulum swing the other way. So this is the Condrieu from Domaine Georges Vernet. is mm-hmm. their principal bottling in volume terms, the Terres de Lompier, 2018 vintage, which was. No, these are rare. They don't come along often enough. It was a very good and prolific vintage. Right. Vionia is a very capricious grape. It's hard to grow. It's very prone to poor bud break.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's hard to vinify. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time for the rootstock to mature. hmm So it's tricky. But this is a rare half bottle. I'd save the pennies where I can. But isn't it beautiful?
0: It's so pretty. It's a shame yeah. to put a corkscrew in that, it's, you know. It's Jason. really
1: difficult to find... Increasingly difficult to find fine wines with the exception of Bordeaux in half bottles because if people can sell their entire output without having to go to the extra hassle mm-hmm. of yeah. running a, a different bottling, yeah. just to do the halves, which are more labour intensive in ratio of liquid, of course, then they don't bother doing it. And so, yeah. the aforementioned Alain Grau won't do it for me anymore, annoyingly. We've had we've had words about it, right? Um, but Christine Vernet, bless her. Still will because there are many occasions where the half is the perfect volume, and this to me is one of the best, which it has to be, it's the only permitted grape in Cornwall. or there's a weird overlap with Saint Joseph, it's like an intersection of a Venn diagram. You could plant Marsanne and Roussanne or Syrah and call it Saint Joseph, or you could be on your own. call it Condria, but you can't do both. <laughs> isn't that weird? You mean you can't have your cake and eat it? <laughs> well, Condria would be a no-brainer because it sells for twice That's it. That's what you do, isn't it? Nowadays, but in the early 60s, there were only eight hectares under vine, wait for this, in the world. Well. Wow. And they were all at Condria and Chateau Green. Mm-hmm. So it almost became extinct. And Georges Vanet, Christine's uh, late father... Kept the flame alive in the in the lean post-war years. He encouraged other winemakers to make it. So this lovely colour, straw colour, and this amazing nose of lychee, acacia, mm. honeysuckle. Mm. And then the palate, tropical fruit. It smells like it's going to be a sweet wine, I always think. It's so voluptuous.
0: But then you get this lovely smooth texture and ethereal dry finish. It really is quite something, actually, Jason. Uh-huh. Superb. How much is that? Say, so, we're not going up by £5 increments, are we now? we're No. We are going... This would set you back. Way ahead. 55 quid a bottle. Yeah.
1: But, bear in mind, that is for an iconic wine by one of France's best winemakers. And mm. um, if you're planning an event around that, twenty-nine ninety-five for this half. But you're tasting experiences, you know, and people are increasingly interested in that. Production. Production's very finite, and the market's now global. So
0: mm. I don't think that's bad venue. It takes you to heaven and halfway back again. Um, it's very, very nice. The
1: only tricky thing, though, if you're in a restaurant with 21st century markups, you'd be paying three times that. Of course. But that's it's perfection. Great food wine. Mm-hmm. And the classic food match at okay. Can- Canel de Brochet, their Pike. Oh, that pike. You've had this. And you have it with a lobster sauce. And uh, I have. And um, it's a very fiddly thing to make a canel de brochet. But if you go to Condria, the Beau Rivage is the main hotel restaurant in the centre of the town. And uh, yeah, that's where you go to. So
0: what does pike taste like? Tell me. Uh, Well, according to
1: my friend Andrew... Edmunds cotton wool with needles in it. If you don't, if you don't do it properly, but if you do have the workforce to remove all the small bones, okay, and pin bone your pike perch, yeah, then they are very, very good indeed. Mm. But uh, it goes well with all sorts of other classic French cuisines. Any fish and sauce really Mm -hmm. is is what you're you're looking for.
0: Yeah, very nice. but a favourite
1: wine, I'm incredibly biased. It's been a favourite for years. They also have a very small, very precious vine holding in a single vineyard in the centre of the Appalachian, which is a sweet spot called the Cote de Vernon. And that is what people aspire to. And we ship a small amount every year, and it's a put your name down for it wine. And it's okay. it, we're just managing to keep it out of three figures. So um,
0: <laughs> uh, I'll settle for this. So, we're now on the home straight
1: and we're heading to what many observers would say is the pinnacle of Wipe the Wine the Road. Okay. Hermitage. Hermitage. And we're going to taste two wines that have much in common, much in common, but are distinctly different. So they're both marcin Roussin blends. Mm-hmm. 80% Marcin, 20% Roussin. They're both made by my friend and hero, Jean-Louis Charve. Mm-hmm. He's the 16th generation of his family to make wine in the northern Rome. But this first wine is a young bottling. It's the 2015 of his Hermitage Blanche, which is a negociant wine. So that is a wine whereby some of the grapes have been contracted in either grown specifically or he's bought the fruit okay 2015 a marvellous marvellous vintage this is an example of a young amortage and i think it's fair to say it's made to be relatively commercial and relatively forward drinking about 40 pounds a bottle which believe me in Amitage terms is a snip and It'll be very interesting to see what you think of this. So, without further ado, so this is the J.L. Schaaf Selection Hermitage Blanche 2015. And this is not, and I can't overemphasize this, his grand Vin. It's absolutely the antithesis of this. This is a wine that's made to make the Appalachian accessible Opening out to people who probably wouldn't normally get the opportunity to taste those wines, right? And also to mean that people can actually go onto licensed premises
0: and enjoy a glass of Hermitage without having to get a mortgage, right? But it's still not easy entry, is it? Yeah, well,
1: we're talking about the top one percent of the top one percent. So it's got the name of White Northern Rhone. So lovely bouquet there, and it's complex. I mean, that's going to really open out in the glass. You can tell already. Mm. Beautiful white stone fruit, peach, apricot. Lovely texture. Again, you get this all-important sort of glycerin and uh, mouthfeel. I think it's all about. Mm. Jean-Louis is absolutely adamant that this uh, tasting white hermitage without food is a tricky thing to do because it's very much a food wine. He said, you know, you could only really appreciate okay. his wines in the context of gastronomy. He came over last year and he did a big masterclass in Pall Mall, and he was very keen to impress
0: that point. That's showing beautifully. I I think that shows the Appalachian in a very pure light. It's a wine to contemplate, certainly. So what does he recommend you would pair that with? Classic cuisine. So it stands up very, very well to river fish,
1: poultry and sauces. So a poulé de breast would be very, very good. And it can really handle quite rich foods. I think that's a, a great restaurant wine. But it's important you hold an impression of that because I am indulging mm. you this day, David, because from the... certainly. Ca- Jason, This is
0: already half. This is
1: go. from the Carve Personnel. Oh, my word. And I dug this out. So this... Gothic font. This this is the estate bottling, the 2001 vintage, of the Domaine wine. So this is the real deal. This is Jean-Louis Charve's own vines, well, the Charve family's vines, in a great vintage, 2001. So it's fully mature.
0: Right.
1: What a lot of people aren't aware about with these white Northern Rhone wines is their... Great ageing potential. Okay. And this is, yeah, 19 years old.
0: Yeah. And so how um, long you,
1: could you lay that down for then? Well, it's vintage sensitive, so they do vary. But right. they, they tend to drink well on their primary fruit. Right. Then they, like many of us, have an awkward adolescence. It's at five to mm. ten years, white Hermitage can be a, a tricky thing to deal with. And then, very, very often, they blossom in like us David into a magnificent middle age. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, uh, and show they're very <laughs> and best. Beyond. Uh yeah and so you know, in a really good year 30 40 years really. Yeah, yeah they, they go the distance okay. in very much the way that great white burgundy can. Mm. They are age worthy. I haven't opened this in advance. It's the same Marsan Roussan blend. Okay. The Charve own 3.7 hectares of Marsan. And 0.9 of a hectare of Roussin. And they are grown in several different parcels. Or in different climat Or Lourdes, to be more precise. And they're all vinified separately. Mm-hmm. And that then gives them a broad palette of fruit from which to blend. So this really is an iconic white Northern Rhone. And I've been looking forward to trying it. And so I... this is not
0: no negociant involved with this one? Pas this mm. is This is
1: all 100% from their own vine holdings mm-hmm. and it undergoes an assiduous assemblage or blending process and anything that doesn't fit the blend gets rejected or demoted first thing to note the colour as you age these wines they deepen and darkens. Yes. the label's fantastic the gothic font mm. de pair en fils depuis 1481 so father and son since 1481 Good
0: heavens. You'll be happy to know that Jean-Louis does have a son, mm-hmm. Louis, and a daughter, Emma. Are either prodigy keen on the idea of continuing the tradition or... No, they're, they're not in their <laughs> teens yet. But uh, that is an amazing,
1: deep, almost tawny hue, it's, isn't it? And, it's beautiful. And um, really, really complex nose. Mm-hmm. So quite a lot of dried fruit, candied peel. One shouldn't really talk prices, but I did have a, had a shufti on Wine Searcher. Mm-hmm. Average bottle price, if you can find it,
0: um, £164, ex-vat and duty. Good heavens above. Um, mm. But then again, I'm not surprised.
1: But this is pretty much the creme de la creme. I've had the privilege of tasting many shav wines over a long career in the wine trade. And this is about as good as they get. I mean, yeah, it's... This it's, is, um, it's- Superb. John Livingston Leameth, my friend and a great wine pundit and Rhone commentator, gave this five stars. So okay, five out of five stars. It's still in its pomp. I mean, it's drinking superbly now. Mm. But I have no doubt if probably so, than this is hasn't moved since the day we shipped it till I brought it here yesterday, and it overnighted in my garage to be at perfect temperature. Mm-hmm. This will open out in the glass. We should have really decant it, but I think that's drinking beautifully now but it's got at least 20 years ahead of it mm-hmm. and uh, stand up to really complex great rich gastronomic dishes Anyway I think that's the apogee of our podcasting so far so cheers David and um, uh, onwards and
0: upwards Thank you very much I am thoroughly overindulged More adventures in wine at www.yap.com dot co dot uk